Welcome to Movie Time Machine, where each episode we pick a movie from the past and we're living in the present. This week's movie, John Carpenter's The Thing. I'm your Time Machine host, Chad, surrounded by my Time Machine friends, Lee, Jamie, and Chris. How are you guys doing today? Doing great. Doing well, thank you. Very good, thanks. All right, so for the next couple of shows we're going to do, I kind of throw it out there that we're each going to pick like our favorite movie, and Jamie, it was your turn. For this episode, and That's you correct. chose this the thing. So why don't you just give us some reasons why this is your pick, your favorite movie, and so on. Sure thing, Chad. Well, and I think with your initial request, as many of us probably feel, picking your favorite movie isn't as simple as... I mean, I got a rotating probably top 10 or 20, so to say that this is my favorite on any given day probably isn't true tomorrow. But um, what I do like about the thing... So I guess I'll take us even further back in our time machine to... When I was probably around high school, I started getting super into horror films, and I wish I could remember that Genesis point because, um, yeah, it just felt like something that, I don't know, kind of happened. And the older I got and the more I watched more movies and talked to my friends who like movies, I kind of figured out that although my friends might like them, not very many people are as into horror as I was. So um, I guess, you know, that is to say I started out with, you, you, the usual suspects, The Shining, The Exorcist, Jaws, the big films. And I remember watching The Thing, hearing about it as kind of one of the ancillary films that horror fans like. And it's near the top of the list, but it's not as critically famous as some of the others. Um, so I just kind of watched it on a whim. And I just remember being completely blown away. Uh, everything about the movie, I dug the Arctic landscape. I think I like films in the snow. Empire Strikes Back, The Thing. <laughs> Snow Dogs. Snow Dogs, <laughs> Balto, um, and Kurt Russell. I mean, just 100% American man going to work, <laughs> hunting some aliens. And yeah, I mean, really the mystery of it all. And um, some really cool special effects. And again, it's one of those films that maybe not a lot of people have seen. And I kind of just like you know, slipping that recommendation to people I know, hey, you like 80s films, horror films, Kurt Russell films, have you seen The Thing? So I guess that's kind of why I picked it. But anyway, let's travel back to 1982 first and just kind of get like uh, context of the year that this movie came out. Um, and just some things that really popped out of me is this is when uh, we first uh, start getting the national news reports of the AIDS epidemics. First time this is being reported on a national level. Um, and, well, it's kind of hard transition here, but this is also something that kind of passionate me is like Atari rebrands the Atari 2600, um, kind of arcade era, early video game era, kind of market gets flooded and like got some great, my favorite greatest uh, video games ever like burger time dig dug pitfalls axon yards revenge uh, but the following year the video game market crashes um and we're kind of leaves a big hole there until like the nintendo kind of revives the market later in the 80s but some uh entertainment uh things that came on that year um some things that i picked out like blade runner we get poltergeist this year we get tron dark crystal uh fast times at ridgemont high um then also gandhi which i think gandhi for that year one, um, 
best That's pitcher. Pitch. I think they want they got no chariots of fire. Chariots of fire. Cheers. What did Gandhi get? I don't know. They got the actor. Act, it was the best actor. best actor. Yeah. Um. So yeah, do you have anything that you picked out from this year, or you said um, that you had looked into some news broadcast and? Yeah, I did. It's uh. So you mentioned Atari. I guess the Commodore 64 also launched that year. Um, the big computer gaming system, I think it was. Yeah. Um, probably a rival of Atari. And my other two big ones that kind of jumping off what you said, um, Chad. So the there's one film you didn't mention that came out. And I think it's part of the reason that this film didn't do so well in theaters. And... Does anyone have a guess? E.T. That's the one. two weeks before the thing. That's the one. It was the, I guess, according to my Wikipedia source, the biggest box office hit of the decade. So that kind of took all the wind out of the sails for any sad alien movie that might follow such a happy (laughs) alien movie. As a young boy, yes, I couldn't see the thing, but (laughs) I could could certainly go to E.T., which we did several times. So, yeah, that, that was a pretty good memory. Yeah, E.T. holds a special place in my heart. Well, how many e- times would you guys say you saw it in the theater? Oh, it could have been maybe twice. Because okay. it was a big deal for us to go to the theater back then. And uh, the other thing is, too, you couldn't, like, rent them at, in 82. I don't believe you could actually. There were VHS rare, players, kinda, but it was yeah. rare. It was very expensive. Yep. So... The next time I, I saw E.T. would have been probably in the 90s. Yeah, you know, we basically went the whole decade without seeing it again. Yeah, I think it was a few years before E.T. even came out on VHS. It could have been. So, yeah. I remember. And it would have been a big deal. And sometimes yeah. when these movies came out on VHS, they were like 90 bucks, oh, $100. Wow. So, it's yeah, it was a big deal. You basically <laughs> had to have a credit card in order to rent the machine because you know machines were like a thousand bucks and stuff like that so just seeing the thing it you would have never saw it on vhs right. until probably close to the 90s so just well, the, talking about you yeah. know the thing yeah. i mean just not doing so well in the theater that would have not been slated to be shown other than like on hbo maybe okay so that could have been a place you would have saw it yeah. in the 80s well, and if you were going to see it in but, the theater, it was probably everyone seeing E.T. twice yes. that didn't go see the thing. Right. No. Oh, yeah. Right. Yep, exactly. You know, and that might have a lot to do, too, like, we're early 80s where the nation is still in a recession. Like, so usually in those times of, like, where the economy isn't doing good, things aren't going well, you seem, tend to get a rise on, like, the more of, like, the happy scale or, like, your, your pop music. Kind of like your bubblegum music kind of like tends to rise, but at least so I've read from like history. So maybe that could be one of the reasons why too. Um, So I was just moving kind of box office. I don't have the exact numbers here, but the um, it kind of, it bombed in the theaters and was not received very well. Um, Did not get a great critical reception. Um, No, Chad, I think they were testing this movie in front of audiences before they released it. At least that's what it sounded like. Yeah, and the commentary in the for commentary the film. Track, yeah, it was John Carpenter they, was talking about. Yeah, in the commentary, John Carpenter and uh, um, Kurt Russell. Kurt Russell are talking about just how like 
anytime they talked about the gore, just how like it was just like making people <laughs> sick. And now, like hindsight, you know. now you look at it. I mean, it's 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 great, but it doesn't give you that same feeling. I think we've been kind of desensitized to a lot of that stuff, but just kind you of know. the emotions that it was, in, you know, you're getting out of people from this movie, and the gore was quite interesting. But you have some numbers for us, Chris. <laughs> Yeah, so according to IMDb um, for the box office, this movie had a budget of $15 million. Uh, the opening weekend, uh, it hit uh, $3.1 million, and then total gross U.S. was $13.7 million. Yikes. Good thing he had all that Halloween money to fall <laughs> right. back on. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, so why don't we move into we'll start talking about our favorite scenes, but why don't we do like a quick synopsis of the film? Do you want to run through that? Yeah, no, I don't mind. Um, so the film opens on two Norwegian, one pilot and one gunner, I guess you could say in a helicopter and they are chasing down a Husky dog and we're unclear of their motivations. All we know is they're trying to shoot it with an automatic weapon and they find themselves landing at, I believe it's a science facility, United States science facility in Antarctica. We find out that the dog is in fact not what it seems and begins to infect the science facility and hilarity ensues. <laughs> hilarity, huh? <laughs> That's one way to put it. That's, yeah. Now for like, Chris, was this your first time watching the film? Well, yeah. That opening scene... But did you kind of like, like, what the fuck? Like, what? Yeah, is... I actually thought that opening scene was really unique. Um, it was really evident to me that that dog was going to play, like, a really big role in yeah. the film. Um, prior to watching this, I had, had gone to IMDb and just read the synopsis for the movie. Um, and it talks about, like, a shapeshifter. And I was like, that has to be, like, that's, like, where it all begins. So, like, I had I put that together pretty quickly. Um, but, yeah, it was, like, super interesting because at first like i didn't put that together right away and the scene starts with just him like shooting at the dog and i was like oh weird is he like like i was like oh this is in like antarctica clearly like they are foraging for their food (laughs) like there's something going on and like that's just them like foraging for food they're trying to shoot this like wolf kind of a thing um and then as it continued, I was like, actually, like, they are, this scene is way too long for it to just be that. <laughs> and, like, he had to at least go through, like, two, like, different rounds, I feel like. He was a terrible shot. So, yeah, it was a really unique scene. and But I, I really liked it. And I thought, like, it really helped kind of set the stage for a little bit about what's going on. Because that's where you first then, like, they end up, like, circling the U.S. outposts. And, like, you really get to find out a little bit more of, like even they don't know what's going on and this these two characters aren't a part of the interplay um per se so yeah i thought it was a really unique opening scene since i hadn't seen it probably since the early 90s i I completely forgot about this opening scene so it was like what in the hell is going on here right I, i was i'm like what what kind of a movie am i getting myself into these guys this guy's acting like a maniac trying to kill a wolf you know, I think it's a wolf. Anyway, so I'm looking at this. I'm like, too. I'm like, what is a wolf doing on Antarctica to begin with? <laughs> that was like one of my questions. You know, I'm like, oh, this is just gone off the deep end. And uh, yeah, it wasn't until the dog later starts walking through the the facility there that I realized, okay, so this is 
this dog is not what it seems to be. So, right. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Well, it's interesting, too, because I I was just trying to think of it. If I were a scientist stuck on Antarctica, I mean, they're there for a mission, and we never find out what it is in the movie because I don't think it's relevant. But I was just thinking, you know, if you're there digging or studying something in the snow, I guess I would think if I was a scientist, God, I hope I find something to validate this time here and to have it come sprinting into their camp. It's like, oh, you got what you came for and then some. I thought that was a interesting twist on their whole scientific mission. Right. I think back then too, in the in the early eighties, they were doing uh, scientific experiments uh, on the ozone layer for our planet, and they discovered that there was a hole, and it was over Antarctica, and that's why we had uh, chlorofluorocarbons that were being used as propellants and like spray paints and other items they banned those as they said that they actually were creating uh the thinning of the ozone layer so maybe you know they might not have been digging they could have it could it wasn't relevant you're absolutely correct you know it's just maybe that was one of the things that john carpenter decided you know hey this is in the news so maybe you know that's a good idea to have it down there too I think, too, part of the reason is just having it be away from, like, civilization. Because, again, like, I think they need somewhere that's remote. So whether that be Antarctica or the Amazon, you know, or some some very, very remote place, again, because otherwise it becomes an epidemic movie or pandemic movie. So I wonder if, uh, you know, having it in Antarctica was a throwback to the old movie, too. But, see, I haven't read the story, so I don't know if that's... where it takes place if it's in an arctic area i don't i haven't read the book either but i think john carpenter was saying that it i can't remember the the script writer was a pretty like um true interpretation of the book itself so i wonder if, if it did actually take place in the arctic or antarctica oh yeah it could have been. But, yeah. I think it, too, it still makes cool. sense for like the storytelling aspect of it because things would yes. get out of control pretty quick if yeah. given the rules of the thing of the monster. Yeah. Well, and it's a cool zag for that director too, who just, you know, who hit it big with Halloween where the monster is suburban anywhere, USA around everybody. And that this is such a opposite contained story. I think that's kind of a cool counterbalance. Yeah, so for me, I think one of the, the most memorable scenes um, was when McGreedy gets back from being outside and everybody is questioning whether or not he is, has been infected. Um, and the, the scene kind of continues where he ends up breaking glass, um, gets into the building, and then basically takes everybody hostage. And that whole scene of, of taking the entire group hostage and then the the yeah the blood with the wire and Dynamite. like... Yeah, well, yeah, with the dynamite and, um, and like, yeah, with the dynamite to get them to basically concede to listen to him. Um, but then also, I think, to me, it was, they, they did a really good job with the scene of him, like, testing their blood and, like, 
I feel like they did a really nice job of like having there be a ton of, I guess just um, a lot of buildup, if you will, um, and I think they did a really nice job with with making that that buildup be something where like you're continuing to like just be on on the edge of your seat. At least I was the entire time, so I think that was probably my favorite scene, just being able to see like that scene play out and just that constant fear of oh shit, what's gonna happen. That scene was really awesome. It's they find the one man who is actually the thing because the blood jumps out of the petri dish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they go. They, what do they take him outside and then they burn him? I think is they try the, to burn him in in his but, chair still. Yeah, he and then can't he gets get the torch out lit. and he can't get the torch lit, and then he tries to get the other right. the other individual yeah. to do it, and then I think he ends up. Like, just yeah. being in shock, and he ends up just getting, like, eaten by him. He gets chomped. That's yeah. Right. yeah. Yeah. Then they yeah. then they torch him, and then he, like, runs out of the building on fire. Yeah. Yep. I believe in that scene. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, then all that said and done, I think the coolest part of that was, you know, they go right back to testing the blood. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> that was, it was exactly. like, okay, we found one of them. There might be another one. (laughs) Well, I don't want to jump in front of your scene, Chad, but I I did want to say um, part of that scene, I I think part of why it's so important is that it's a reset scene. You know, like up to that point, we're not sure who's who, Mm -hmm. but that, and as I was going through and trying to track who's an alien, who's a human, I found that, okay, this is a reset because they do test everybody. And from that point on, we can determined that everyone left with the exception of Blair is a human. And I felt like too, one thing that I, and I, I maybe need to rewatch it, but I felt like it was either the second or third Petri dish that he looked at when he put like the, the steaming hot wire in there, there was a little bit of splatter and I could see it jump out and I was like, Oh shit. Is that like, was that it? Um, and then to see the, yeah. So like I thought like, Oh, maybe they were going to like, they were not going to like speak about that or like they weren't going to say anything, but then to see the reaction of, um, of the, the actual like tainted blood, you could see it was much more demonstrative and and whatnot. But like for me, I thought like that third one, I saw a little bit of splatter come out and I was like, Oh, is that it? And like, they're just going to be like, it was a really like subdued splatter and they weren't going to mention it. And like, he might be like the, the dark horse later on. I thought was really, it added for me a little bit. But then that theory got crashed and burned when, <laughs> <laughs> when you saw what it actually looked like. <laughs> well, I suppose my favorite scene was uh, the scene where they it's a, was at the doctor in McCready. They go over to uh, their Norwegian camp to check that camp out. I, I just like the whole feeling of it. You know, the, you know, you're learning something new. You are in there with them, and you don't know what's going to happen if there's, like, other things there you know and McCready's just he's kind of hesitant to do it and it's just that he's annoyed that he doesn't get to drink yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> but he, he ends up going anyway and uh, yeah he does make the discovery of possibly where the thing came from uh the frozen it almost looks like a sarcophagus without the lid right of ice yeah. you know and apparently that was a throwback like to, to the, the original one. yes so, but yeah, just, uh, that scene was pretty, pretty cool for me. I, uh, I, the thing with McCready, I, did anybody else look at his hat? 
the zombrero type. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with all four, with like he made it into a square. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, because I, it, it's pretty apparent in that scene too. You know, I'm like, I'm looking at that hat. I'm like, what the, you know? And then he's got it throughout the whole, uh, you know, the whole movie at one point or another. You yeah, know? I think sometimes was, it but, ends up like on yeah. his back and. I think that was also brought yeah. up in the commentary too that um I don't know I can't remember if he said where he got the hat John Carpenter got the hat but then recommended or said that he has to wear it now Kurt Russell has to wear it and he was just like yeah at first I was just kind of like what I don't understand I don't get the hat you know he's like yeah that kind of grew on me but yeah. if you ever get time though listen to that commentary to, to the thing it's it's great it's yeah, that was pretty good it's like just listening to two buddies talk about their favorite movie yeah did you guys catch in the commentary how long they were filming was it something like two weeks uh, oh on oh. location yeah on location yeah, uh, i, I want to say it was man what do you say six weeks or something okay it, six was, weeks. it was not a long time yeah it's pretty quick yeah but i suppose it would have to be <laughs> for yeah. one yeah, reason it, than one you know yeah i guess they built the place uh the facility during the summer and so that they would have <laughs> snow on top of it that's oh, all. That's yeah, it's all yeah. real. Mm. Yeah, it was all real. Yeah, and then when they uh, and... <clears throat> the film the scene, so when they go and to the uh, Norwegian camp, so that camp that they film is they blew up the scene for the U.S. camp. So when they're all done filming the U.S. camp stuff, yeah. they blew up that scene, burnt it down, and then they filmed the yeah. Norwegian was, camp stuff. What a resourceful guy. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> I know. I was like, that was genius. <laughs> that was but I guess when you're working on a budget and like, yeah. 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 I mean, 13 million is not a lot. I mean, no, that's no crazy. No. Well, and back in I, the day when people actually blew up their sets, you know, I can't imagine many movies are made that way anymore. Yeah. Didn't yeah, no, they would just CGI everything. Yeah, didn't they have a comment about it too? It was like it was freaking loud, and you could feel the heat. I think they yeah, said. the distance. Yeah, because he's like the the one shot where it's pr- pretty far back. He was like, yeah, you could feel the yeah. heat from that. Then like the close up shots, they all had remote cameras. Yeah, to do that. Yeah, but, it was shot beautifully. I mean, oh yeah, the movie looks great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. you know, there's. You know, like J.J. Abrams, some of his, uh, you know, movies have the the lens flares. Well, he even had, he had some lens flares, <laughs> you know, on this one. So, yeah. it, I I liked it. It was especially a movie like this when you have a lot of a lot of dark scenes. Is that yeah. I feel like this happens a lot more. Is like when you're watching it at home, at least like there's the level of it has something to do with the contrast. Where like we end up just not being able to see anything in the scene. Yeah. And this, just how this is shot, you you still get like the level of detail in it, mm-hmm. even though it's not yeah. like everything is well lit, and it kind of pulls you in more. Versus like I feel like a lot of films that I see, at least recently, you get kind of lost, no, and did, like lose like even where you're at in that part of the film. But. Mm-hmm. Did you guys happen to see it on DVD or online? I Blu-ray or yeah, mine was uh, it was Blu-ray 1080p. Oh okay, all right, so. It, yeah, it has the contrast there where mm-hmm. you can see that, you know, the different black levels and, mm-hmm. you know, things like that mm-hmm. in the dark. Yeah. yeah. I was, wasn't was sure what to expect um, for, like, a 82 movie. But, yeah, even, like, the, the scene of, like, the spaceship, like, at the very beginning coming to Earth, like, I thought that, like, didn't look bad at all. Like, I thought no. the special effects for that looked really, really good in comparison to what I was expecting. And I thought, yeah, a lot of the special effects were 
way better than I was anticipating. So I thought, yeah, it was really well done. I, it definitely was a golden era of optical effects. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, pre-CGI. Yeah, cause I think, yeah. Cause I think when, we've had this conversation a yeah. lot before, just like how a lot of CGI, like today, like it doesn't look that great. I feel like it's gotten worse, even like compared to like movies like Jurassic Park. Mm-hmm. Today it looks awesome. It's just amazing, like the effects it, in Jurassic Park. It holds Park. up. It does it? hold up, yeah. Yeah. Versus like we get like, because I, I just watched some stuff on this, but like say scenes in, of like, it was like one of the Avengers movie of like Black Panther where they had like the actor wear like a suit, then they did some like CGI effects over the suit or of the Black Panther suit yeah. versus like the fight scene in the Black Panther movie, which was the entire scene is like CGI. Yeah. Um, when he's fighting uh, Tokala. Or no, what's the bad guy in Black Panther? Oh, Killmonger. Killmonger, yeah. That entire scene where like they're falling and fighting, mm-hmm. that entire scene is like yeah. CGI, and it looks plastic. It's yeah. looks. Fun. Was yeah. that like when they were doing like the like the little shimmer, like when he's like taking like he's taking hits and he's like it's starting to like kind of grow purple? Is that what you were talking about when he was wearing the little bodysuit? Yeah, like in the Avengers. Yeah, like the movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You gotta be fucking kidding. I guess this is this is kind of what the great thing is about like doing a, a sh- uh, movie podcast with you guys is that you guys get into like these great details of all these scenes and I'm just kind of I go I'm just all about like the cheap stuff I think is my favorite part and <laughs> like my favorite scene in the movie is the the transformation with like or the imitation where they're doing the chest compressions on um, I can't I can't remember on uh, Vance I think is the one Norris. 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 Norris? Yeah. And uh, where they're doing the chest compressions on him, <laughs> and, like, the chest just opens up with, like, these big, like, killer cool. jaws and, like, chomps down on his arms and just, like, totally decapitates him. I think it's just one of my favorite scenes in the movie. But Well, in that one, I, uh, we weren't recording, but we were talking. Chris mentioned um, the rules about the thing, and yeah. I think that's one of the scenes where it works to – the film's advantage anyway that we don't know the rules so we we just don't know that that's an option for yeah. you know the chest to open up like that yeah. which makes it that more much more effective yeah i think like that's like that was a huge surprise of the of the film and you were talking about alien earlier like the whole piece where like it comes out of like the chest you know like nobody's expecting right. that and i think like that's one of the things that like nobody was expecting that so when you talk about like the effectiveness, I just think absolutely because nobody that surprise is is huge and like when you don't expect it and when you don't know the rules when it just it creates it helps to continue to create buy in into what this thing is. Yeah. I think we kind of see how the thing like is preserving itself. So it's like you get like the chest chomp scene, then like the then they start torching. The body then looks like the head comes off, comes <laughs> off and rolls down, and like the you know, head falls off, and it's like lassos like a chair, and like slowly is like creeping away, and they're not seeing this. And then like, it grows towards, like the like the, t- the like the spider legs, yeah, exactly. essentially, and then it like starts screwing away. Then they <laughs> yeah. torch it again, but in my head is still trying to think of like how it's surviving or like escaping is like, then is there a part of that then we miss where like it, it breaks off and runs away or I don't know. I still, I'm still getting confused on how like the thing is like existing and like, 
escaping, and we can maybe get to this uh, later, like when we get towards the uh, kind of end scene. But but just trying to understand the the rules, the rules of, of like how is it surviving, or if it's like is it like somebody else's blood is already infected, or can the thing exist in like two different people? Can two different people be infected at the same time, or at least how the or on its own? Thing? Because I feel like the last scene, it seemed like it was like just on its own, like it was just like this huge like monster yeah. that was outside yeah. of an infected body. Right. Right. I thought it was a tremor at first. We need Kevin Bacon. Wait, Kevin Bacon, come back, son. <laughs> Michael Gross. <laughs> All right, so let's finish favorite scene. So, Jamie, yeah, moment. Um, I'm going to cheat. I got two. So <laughs> it's, it's hard to pick one. Um, but the first is, I mean, it's it's just kind of a fun little intro to the character scene. It's when Kurt Russell is playing chess. It's the first time we see his character. And, um, yeah, he's playing computer chess, pours himself a bottle of scotch or whiskey, and he, he loses dumps his drink into the um hardboard mother drive cpu yeah. pick your favorite right <laughs> <laughs> cheating <card>. bitch <laughs> and it's just i like it because um you know it's one line and we get an idea of who he is and also for how long they've probably been there like he's probably been playing this computer for months and he's either had it and you know shuts it off or they're on the verge of going home soon. So, I mean, him getting rid of one of his few distractions, you know, maybe suggests that their mission is almost over. So I, I just kind of like that because it's a funny scene and it also drives home how long they've been there and, you know, just kind of what they might be feeling at the time. Um, but the other is um, a transformation scene. It's when uh, Clark puts the... For, I think it's the first transformation when Clark puts the husky in the pen with the other dogs. Oh, yeah. And it's cool, too, because usually animals are the first to detect that something's off and they don't right away, which is itself kind of scary. Like, it's a perfect imitation, I think, as they later say. And then, of course, it starts to uh, change. And I just remember when I first saw it, too, when its face rips apart and that four, you know in four places and then sprouts the tentacles. And I just, I remember thinking, what the fuck is going on here? And then of course starts eating the dogs and they got to torch it. So, so if you've seen stranger things, did you feel like, did you, uh, mm-hmm. Demogorgon? Yeah. Oh, and yeah. When it splits apart, like the tongue yeah. comes out, I was like, Oh, oh Demogorgon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah. Interesting, because that that scene, the the first scene you were talking about, kind of annoyed me, just because I was like, no one would do that. No one got here in the most like remote place in the world, and like that's one of your few distractions. That's like, there's right, no right, way you would do right, that, right? Because right. Right. <laughs> he didn't like, like in, and I guess like I think about it now too. Like he doesn't seem like the most sociable individual, so I also think like the last thing he's gonna want to do is like now have to like go and engage in conversation with other people. Right. Like that's his. <laughs> That Escape. part of too, like yeah. he, I don't know if this was just in the commentary. If they, this is brought up in the in the film, is that he's a Viet was a Vietnam helicopter pilot. Yeah, I don't know. Did they? I don't think they said that. In the said film. that, but I, I kind of got the idea that maybe he was. Yeah, because like his jacket too seemed like it was like a like a military jacket too, right? Yeah, that's or true. Because that, because Palmer 
might be that way too. He's a guy with the headphones in the other jacket. He's yeah. the only other one who can yeah. fly, if I understood that correctly, from the American camp. Right. And he seems to have, you know, not like a friendship with McCready, but he's more like in tune with him, I yeah. guess you could say. Like he knows where McCready's coming from. Right. Mm-hmm. I kind of yeah. got that. Was anybody else bothered with like the, like, so like before the movie, like, starts like before the helicopter scene it's like antarctica winter perfect and then like like there are so many times that people aren't wearing jackets or they're not zipping their jackets up or like (laughs) like when like the uh blair in like the 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 dog finally gets to the u.s camp and he's just in like a like a thick wool like button up i'm like this is supposed to be antarctica in the winter and people or like mccready like after he like pours the drink uh in the the video game and, like, the helicopter comes, and he, like, it gets circled, like, the camp gets circled, and he goes out with the bottle and no jacket. And I was like, there's no way this is happening. It's way too cold. Like, right. you're not dressing for the weather. That's true. We are watching it with Minnesota eyes. I wonder how many people. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think they were saying, too, when they were filming, like, the weather was, like, actually quite warm there for it being, like, the winter. But maybe it was actually the summer. No, but anyway, I digress. Oh, I was going to say something about the the effects, too, and this kind of ties into yeah. uh, maybe the test audience they had this in front of. They, specifically, there was a scene with the dog when uh, McCready shoots the dog, and they said, well, you know, John Carpenter's like, well, we just made it yellow because red tested really bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, and he goes, I guess you could use the yellow. <laughs> it's a safe, safe thing, so... Twelve men have just discovered something. For 100,000 years, it was buried in the snow and ice. Now it has found a place to live, inside, where no one can see it, or hear it, or feel it. I know I'm human. Some of you are still human. This thing doesn't want to show itself. It wants to hide inside an imitation. It'll fight if it has to, but it's vulnerable out in the open. It takes us over, and it has no more enemies. Nobody left to kill it. And then it's one. You took your list of uh, tracking everybody who was alone and who wasn't? And... I tried. I tried. <laughs> um, well, first, I'll just name them first. Um, we have, I just wrote Norwegian 1, Norwegian 2, because they're never named. <laughs> they're not with us for Which long. Which were acted by John Carpenter, and it's one of the... The were they crew? really yeah. one of the Bush yeah. pilots, wasn't yeah. it? I think. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's a nice ring. <laughs> when they were speaking what I can imagine is Norwegian. <laughs> no, he actually said the he just made up Norwegian, the guy that like got out with the gun and Oh, that's John incredible. John Carpenter's character is the one that dies right away with the uh, trying right. to dig up the, <laughs> yeah, grenade. the grenade. Yeah. <laughs> that oh, is great. I dropped it. Bury <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <Dare> it. <laughs> oh. I wonder if that helicopter, oh, real quick, I wonder if the helicopter had U.S. writing on one side and Norwegian writing on the other. I wonder if they did that. Is Probably. Like the only scene <laughs> on one side. Right. No. Oh, that's smart. <laughs> <laughs> one helicopter. Um, okay, then for the members of the American camp, we have Fuchs is the one with the glasses who McCready's pretty close with. Bennings is the redhead who gets shot. Blair is... He's got diabetes. Um, <laughs> Matt, Mac, we all know McCready. Nalls is the cook. Childs um, is, well, we all know Childs. Windows is the radio operator. Clark watches the dogs. Doc is Doc. Um, 
Norris, I had to write sweater cardigan until his name came up. <laughs> That's Norris. And then Palmer is the um, other pilot with the vest and the headphones. All right. So uh, side note, Childs, uh, I don't know if you've seen They Live, but he's the one that gets into like the 15-minute fight scene with Rowdy Reddy Piper. <laughs> the infamous oh, fight scene from they, they Live. Yeah. Anyway. Put the glasses on. No. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That's what the entire fight is about. <laughs> Just put them on. I'm not putting those on. No. <laughs> yeah. Just hits after that. <laughs> well, so how do you guys want to go through? I uh, just want to go through and like trace the infection. Yeah, I think yeah. that would be good. Okay. I mean, this is this is your piece, man. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I'll try. Um, so we start with the dog, and we know something is up there. Um, the first scene that we see is he goes into somebody's room by himself. I took that as Norris because it looked like he had the cardigan and kind of the same shape of his head, but I wasn't sure. But my best guess was Norris because seeing it before, I know that he's the one whose chest opens, and we don't see him much in the film later on right um then we get uh palmer and childs who are roommates palmer's the one who puts in the videotape i've seen this one before i i think they're human at that point but we know later that palmer is the thing so maybe he gets childs then maybe but that's still really on in the film i don't think so actually we know he doesn't because they test childs's blood and mm-hmm. he's clean. Yep, that's right. But that's Palmer might have still been. About. Yeah. Palmer might have still been the thing at that point. Um, all right. Let's see. This might not be in chronological, but I'll do my best. Um, all right. Clark is obviously alone with the dogs. And that leads to a conflict later because everyone thinks that Clark is probably infected. Because well, we find out that he. Yeah, we find out that one miraculously, the, yeah. <laughs> the one guy alone with the dogs is not infected. Yeah, for some reason, I thought like when the dog walks into the room, I was thinking that that was Clark in there. So did I, right? I did too. So I don't know yeah. what led me to that assumption. Like, but I guess like it just like the entire beginning, it is Clark who is taking care of all the, of the animals, yeah. and like he's like I guess for me, the scene that I think of, or like the moment that I think of, is like when that dog, like right after. Um, the the Norwegian gets shot in the face. Um, the dog goes over to Clark, and Clark starts like petting him and yeah. like trying to help him calm down. And it's like it's okay, boy, it's okay. And it just seemed like maybe like that started a relationship on the forefront or right away. And there's nobody by him either, right? Um, so I thought, oh, like he could either have been infected there because there was nobody around him per se, or yeah, I thought that he went into his room. Just it seemed like he was the one kind of like taking care of the animals. In right. the beginning scene, did the dog also uh, jump up on somebody? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, red hair. Bennings, yeah. Bennings, yep. Yeah. Yep. Licked his face. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So it could have been a transfer right there, even. But the transfer to occur, to you have to be alone. alone. That's what I, yes. that was my understanding yeah. of it, well, too. Yeah. Because they have to, like, take, not only infect, but then, like, have enough time to, like, cr- create the, like, the imitation, if you will. Right. Right. And that's and Bennings gets got later when he's in the room with Windows with the body they dug up out of the Norwegian camp. Windows leaves, and then that's when it gets Bennings. Um, but yeah, Clark confirms he was alone with the dog for ninety minutes. So mm-hmm. it, you really have to wonder. I mean, if there's plot holes 
how is Clark still human? I think mm-hmm. that's legitimately fair to ask. Yeah. Because the thing has nothing to gain from fucking with them, you know, to throw them off the mm-hmm. scent. And I also don't think, like, would it be, like, rational enough? Like, if the entire, like, processor idea is that it's trying to, like, self-preserve... I would imagine then it's not going to like pick and choose like, oh, you've been nice to me. Like I would anticipate that the entire idea of self-preservation is no matter what, when an opportunity opportunity arises, I'm doing it like I would look at it as a very like animalistic, visceral kind of a thing. Right. I would agree. I would agree. Or the dogs all look the same and they had a mistake with a different dog. Oh, <laughs> mind blown. Um, okay, what else? Um, oh, we get a scene of McCready alone inspecting the underwear. So, I mean, we know for a fact that he's alone. He's in the sense that he's not with anyone else to verify that he's a human. So, you know, that could suggest that maybe he got taken. Um, uh, right, bendings and windows, alone with the alien body. We know what happens there. Um, then Mac and Fuchs are alone outside, but that's again refuted later because Fuchs burns himself. We know Mac's human because of the blood test. And let's see. I mean, that's all I really have except for Blair, who's obviously, they just kind of leave him out there to die. And sure enough, the thing finds him. Um, Palmer, we don't know when he gets taken. Um, but we don't see enough of him in the film to say otherwise. So, I mean, really, the fun was, when are McCready and Childs alone, and who are they with at the time? But then, again, the reset kind of refutes all that. So, after all that, it's when Childs is alone, when Nalls, Mac, and Gary go to find Blair. So, if it happened, it happened then. I think it's safe to say. And then with McCready, him getting back, if it happened, it happened after it blew up. Right, and there's that scene where... Where, I can't remember where they leave Childs, but like he sees, um, was it Palmer or no? Who's the uh, Wilfred Brimley's character again? Blair. Blair. When he's, he sees Blair and he goes to chase after him. Yeah. So that's a moment too where like, you know, he can be assimilated mm-hmm. by the thing. Mm-hmm. But then there's that moment too, like after, um, McCready, whatever, throws the dynamite blows up the thing or we assume that he blows up the thing. Mm -hmm. So there's that gap of time to where he gets out wherever he was. Right. Yeah. Then that's where um, him and Mm -hmm. Childs meet up again. Yeah. Right. I think that's one of the things that I really liked about this movie. Um, I'm not a big horror movie person, uh, but this didn't feel per se like just a horror movie it felt a lot to me like a psychological thriller in the way of you don't know who's infected and you're constantly working on who that is or who could be and to me like that that kept me engaged in the film and I felt like it kept me kind of like constantly on the edge of my seat of who who could it be who's next what's going on and I really enjoyed that about like a mystery yeah like so it didn't feel like just like a proper normal um horror movie it felt much more like a psychological thriller in that regard where i'm constantly working out trying to figure out what's going on and not knowing who's gonna what's gonna happen next and who's gonna impact it yeah and well and i i think chris i think you're right it's um 
you know, even going through and doing this crazy exercise, like, I have a good idea, I think, of who was human, who was alien, but I was like, I, it's just the way he sets up the scenes, I don't think that's the point, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, and he does it so deliberately that it could be this person, or it also could, you know, not be. He only, and I just, I gotta believe that all that was intentional. Like, you, mm-hmm. I, I don't think he wasted any scene or wasn't deliberate about who he was exactly showing you at that time and for what reason. Yeah. Cause I feel like they work it out pretty early on. Um, I think doc does and then tells the, the group that it happens when they're alone. And so my thought is, okay, then like just, you have two groups of four. <laughs> like, right. All you do is right. you stay in two groups right. of four the right. entire time. And like, again, the, the script is written in a way that like, that's not feasible or it doesn't make sense. And I think that's, again, speaking to the the purposeful nature of of the scenes and the way the script is written, that the only options are to go off in these little kind of duets, if you will. So, Mm -hmm. dyads. Yeah. And even if they are in groups of four, sometimes the flamethrower doesn't light. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. But yeah, that goes back to like, like all of the rules. I feel like, like he. The other thing that I think they do a really good job of is that they set these parameters, and then the parameters get like broken. Yeah, like these rules get <laughs> yeah. set, and then they get broken, and then new rules are created, and then they get broken. And for me, sometimes that I get bothered by that because I think like, oh, that doesn't make sense. But again, this this was all guesswork, and they're just trying to piece it together as they're going along. So. Right. That was really cool too to see how these, how their initial thoughts on what is possible continued to change based on what they continued to see. And as the story progressed, I thought that was really neat. Like you're you're learning everything as the characters in the movie yeah. are learning them as well. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Well, which is different too from a lot of horror movies because, like Halloween, you know who Michael Myers is, and you can see him, even though Laurie Strode can't. You know, with this. But I feel like in those in those horror movies, like the entire like what you're working towards or or striving towards, then is an understanding of like how this monster was created, right? You know why why are they doing the things that they're doing, or what what's driving these actions? Whereas. We already knew the motivation. What we didn't understand was like how, like the process. And I thought that was really cool. Right. Yeah, this movie creates like a deep sense of paranoia yeah. and suspicion. Mm-hmm. Is I think which is like my favorite, like one of my favorite things in like like movies of this nature of like not knowing and just how that plays into like my own fears, like yeah. in real life. Like I think that's probably for me what makes this I for not have seen this for a long time like this has given me a lot more respect for John Carpenter not that I didn't have a lot before before but I just kind of has given me a new perspective just from watching this movie now it makes me like I needed to go like give some of his other films a watch now after watching this again me too well and before I forget this was one other thing I wanted to point out is um the one other movie that I couldn't help but think about was um, Invasion of the Body Snatchers. And if you've seen the original or the Donald Sutherland remake or the Daniel Craig re-re-remake, um, anyway, the it's similar. Aliens come to Earth and they take over people by pods. You know, it, but 
where this pivots is that, you know, in the invasion of the body snatchers, I think it's, you just go to sleep, you know, or that person, it goes off screen or they go to sleep and, you know, it's like, don't leave them alone. And in this case, the rules are kind of the same, but you get to see the transformation and that's, what's so cool is, oh my God, this is far more horrifying than I just went to sleep in a pod. This is like, (laughs) I have tentacles eating my face. Don't leave me alone. Yeah, I feel like this is it's a- like you don't see it, and it's like the characters in this movie don't know really that they're infected. Mm-hmm. You're gonna say something? Well, I was gonna say, I feel like that trope is kind of like common too, because I think about like the movie The Faculty as well, where it's like an alien comes oh, and starts taking like bodies in the high school, and it's a you oh, know, I haven't seen that. yeah, but like I feel like this is something that like you see often, <clears throat> um, in, in the horror movie genre of this idea of like being taken and then either like re reanimated or you're you're taken over completely and like without your faculties and but i think this for me is has been one of the better i don't know they they did this one of the best i've seen so yeah so final scene uh the big discussion is if is mcready or child's or one of them the thing, or either one of them the thing. Um, if either one of them are like, you know, one's gonna, is one going to assimilate the other? Or are they just going to both freeze there and die? I mean, in the end, like they're both kind of done for. Mm-hmm. They're not going to get rescued. Um, so I'm going to just start with you, Chris. We'll just go around and give yeah. us like your interpretation of it. Then we'll finish with Jamie since this yeah. is kind of his his baby here. So I think a couple things that I, I really like, I love the idea, those kind of like endings where it is really left in the air and left to interpretation. So for me, this was a really cool ending that I, I really appreciated and enjoyed. Um, as far as whether or not either of them are infected, I don't know with any certainty. I kind of like the idea of thinking they both are or one of them are. And then, yeah, I think they both are kind of resigned to the idea that, all right, like this is it. So let's just sit here and we're going to freeze. But then I also like the idea, like that could bring it back for a, a sequel as well. Because the idea, if I recall, is it doesn't matter whether or not they're frozen. If they, you know, if they thaw, they're going to be able to come back and be right. able to infect people again. Um, they're still at the U.S. outpost, like within that area. So I think it would be absolutely feasible to believe that at some point we're going to get more people that are going to come in, like identify try to identify what happened right we just lost 10 individuals at a science outpost so i'd have to believe that there are people stakeholders that would go there and be like what happened and investigate it so i I like that idea of like it would it's absolutely feasible like even if if they do end up dying they have maybe they have families or loved ones so someone goes and they bring those those bodies back and now it is in a more civilized um place and then we get to see some sort of like yeah outbreak you know, movie. So I really liked it. I don't know. It's hard for me to, to say whether or not I believe, you know, Childs or McCready were, were infected. I like the idea that they are, cause I think it leads to a lot more possibilities and I think it could be really cool. Idea for your sequence of the movie is where the infection, like infects like the entire world is getting assimilated. Then there's like a small group that is like left. That's going to survive. And this is where they're going to escape to. They go, Hey, actually, I got a place we can go. My friend, he has an outpost. 
in Antarctica, and they go back to where this movie starts. Mind blown. (laughs) That's how the movie ends. (laughs) Anyway. Lee? Uh, Yeah, this... The end scene... Yeah, I believe... I, I tend to believe that neither one are the thing. It's, uh... I guess uh, there is no really, there is no evidence other than my gut feeling. I mean, it's, you know, it can go both ways, but I just, I just tend to feel that they're both uh, who they say they are. They're not the thing. They've resolved themselves or they've just basically uh, looked at, I say that a lot basically, but (laughs) they sit there and uh, contemplate dying. They've re- they've come to the conclusion that they're gonna die, and they need to, I guess, just you know, shoot the shit until it happens. There's nothing else to do. Their their compounds destroyed. They're not going back to do some R and R, you know, on the pool table. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't even think McCready. Well, McCready may find a bottle of booze somewhere, but who knows? Uh. You know, kind of a bleak outlook, but I I do agree with uh, Chris, your interpretation that yes, this is an ending. Mm-hmm. No matter what happens, it's it's just going to continue. And I don't understand. Or, you know, they had the twenty seven thousand hour uh, figure in the movie where uh, Blair sees the computer estimate this, where it would only take twenty seven thousand hours for the entire world to basically succumb to the thing you know and uh i mean that's still looming that never resolved itself right considering the norwegians found this alien being after i want to say i don't know if they said it in this movie but i think it was a hundred thousand years where this thing yeah, i think you're been, right the thing had been buried so it time doesn't affect it coldness doesn't affect it there really isn't anything that affects it it's almost it is it's like a virus mm-hmm. yes yeah, so that's that's exactly how i yeah. have seen it but yeah so it just there's no is there uh <laughs> is there an antidote to the thing who knows well they were talking about a serum did, and okay. was the serum only to be able to see whether or not someone is infected or is it actually to like stop the infection? Do you remember? I don't oh, remember I this. I don't remember. Are you talking about part? when they're testing the blood right before? Yeah. Right before they were going to go test the blood. Yeah. Um, I and, and, just... and then they find that all of the blood's been, I been thought they were just, down. if they mix was the the uncontaminated oh, I... blood with somebody else's blood that was contaminated. And they yeah. Would see. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's not an actual like antidote or, yeah, or right. anything like that. Right. It's just the way a, a way to like test whether or not yeah. somebody yeah, has like been a vac- infected. Yeah. Like a vaccine or something. Yeah. It was with the vaccine. I mean, that would, you know, obviously they weren't equipped to do a vaccine, you know, trial or run down there. You don't even uh, create one. So I, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I wonder. Well, he does have the tape of himself explaining, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. oh, so they true. will yeah, know. Forgot about that. They will know a little bit. What, about a what's little. Going yep. On. Exactly. And I think you said he hid it. You know, I don't. But how are you supposed to find that? Right. Especially since they blew, blew everything out. Right. right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and cassette tape may or may not. Yeah. It is probably gone. Yeah, so that's yeah, even it's probably one not, more bleak. Not much yeah, <laughs> one more thing of bleakness. Oh yeah. So overall, I overall I enjoyed the movie. Uh, 
Yeah, if you, you know, I didn't really see too many plot holes in it. I mean, it's I, I guess I didn't delve into it on that that much of a a cerebral level, but I I I liked it. I enjoyed it. I loved how it was shot. The acting was effing awesome. I liked every actor in there was just good. And there was some I recognized. You know, they were uh, major character actors from the era. Uh, I, was it the captain? I don't. What, what was his name? The older. Oh, Gary. Gary with yeah. the pistol. Yeah, with yeah. the pistol. He was. He. Had, I've seen him in a lot of other movies from that era. Even. Yeah. Into the 90s and 2000s. He's been around for a long time. I recognize him, too. I couldn't place yeah. his name. But yeah, I, I don't yeah. remember his name either. But he he just had that one scene that really affected me. And uh, it's kind of the tenor, I think, of everybody that was on in that uh, location. And it was when his friend, they had to burn his friend. Bennings, Bennings I believe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the one that was growing the, yeah. the tentacles. He's my hands. friend. I've known him for years. Exactly. Yeah. When he said that, he just he's just like, I cannot believe this is happening. And I lost my friend of 10 years. And he's just heartbroken. You know, and I feel that it's kind of the... He, he It's almost like he gave up. And I think he did give up, too, yeah. at that point. But it just kind of... McCready just holds everything together. Childs does, too, to an extent. Yeah, it's kind of... They play off each other. It's like they're button heads, you know? Well, it's kind of... I just thought about Fuchs. no one child. Right. <laughs> you know, to be in charge. <laughs> right. Well, and I was thinking of Fuchs when you said that, because you're right. That's probably, you know, whether we like to admit it or not, how most people would react. Like, wait, that's my friend. Like, your mind can't understand what it is. And for Fuchs, he's the one who burns himself after he thinks McCready is the thing, because he probably thinks, oh, shit, this is the only guy i trust and if he's pulling one on me i i have no chance Yeah. and then they thought gary was the thing and you know then obviously he was uh determined not to have the blood and then he just uh, like get me out of this fucking right, now that you guys are done playing around it's time yes. that you get me off this <laughs> fucking couch <laughs> yeah that's it thanks chad that was awesome. yeah that was great when he said that i get what? he is in what like, it was my other favorite scenes is with gary with the gun um it's when blair gets some right he does like the transfer or whatever he infects him like just sticks his like fingers like oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. And in the commentary yep. they were asking uh wilford like how he was going to play this scene and he's like i'm gonna do it like i'm bringing home the laundry <laughs> and then after that it shows him he's like dragging the body and his, his hand is connected to his face that it's is like, so taking, sick taking home the laundry <laughs> apparently wilford brimley everybody loved having him around yeah they, they just, say like this is like this is who he is this, he is yep. he, this is what you get <laughs> yep this is yep exactly what you see on screen yep. that's wilford brimley what commercials would he do did the, he do in the 90s? commercial yeah, the Quaker Oats, Quaker Oats. and that was it. And yeah. he diabetes. He did yep. commercials for right. diabetes. Ate too many Quaker Oats. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but what he was on like a TV show too, oh. like in the eighties. Yeah, I'm not sure. Like I can't remember that one. Too. Him and his yeah, he's been walrus him. mustache. Mm-hmm. And the way he talks to is a deep voice. Yeah, really cool. Good addition to the cast having him in there. Yeah, he looked really young too. It was, yeah, yeah he even did. though he's still different like 45, guy. 50, but right, <laughs> right. I think we age yeah. different. Or people age differently in that time. <laughs> yeah. Now, was it Clark 
Who I've seen him before. That actor I recognize too, but I yeah, I did too. Place him, the dog trainer. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I'm not sure for what from, but I recognize. Yeah, him he's in too. quite a few, like for like early or '80s movies, at least yeah. mid to late '80s. I recognize him. I thought he was maybe on like some TV show. Um, I think he might have been on Thirty Something. I think that was like a late '80s, early '90s TV show drama. Oh, <laughs> with. Uh... Had a huge cast. Wasn't that like it was Daniel kind of... Stern that narrated that? That was uh, or no, that was something else. Yeah, I don't think so. He's in Risky Business. Okay. Yeah, oh, I'm not he sure was. What else. I, I know where else I saw him. He was in. Uh, it was a. I think it was one of Stanley Kubrick's last movies with uh, Tom Cruise and the Eyes Wide Shut. And I, Eyes mm-hmm. Wide Shut. He was in that. He played one of the. Well, I thought he. You know, He's got one I, of those faces. Out, he's got, yeah, he's got the face. Yeah. Um, but if you're done, Lee, I, my interpretation of the ending is I was thinking that they were both maybe infected at this moment. Um, but I did a lot of reading into like theories and, and stuff on this too, so I kind of clouded my judgment afterwards about like uh, child being the thing and um, McReady being the thing. Like, talking about, like, like, you don't see child's breath, but you see McCready's breath. Um, or, like, McCready's the thing, and he infects child by taking a drink off the whiskey bottle, and he infects them that way. Um, or the theory that, uh, how is there any whiskey bottles left? Because he was using those for the Molotov cocktails. Like, is that, like, oh, is yeah. there, like, gasoline or whatever in that bottle? And, like, that's how McCready finds out. He gives the bottle to child's, and... Childs drinks it, but he doesn't know that it's gasoline because he's a thing. But I per- I don't know. I guess I personally was thinking that they're both infected. It kind of leads like the whole like darkness of of the that they're both infected. They're both gonna freeze, and like someone's gonna like come back to that camp to find out why everyone is missing, and then the plague is gonna infect the entire world. Infect the world. Yeah. <laughs> no, scorched you know. earth. Kind of like that Armageddon, <laughs> to, to an extent. Yeah. yeah, of course, I have less to say about this, but than you guys, but Jamie. Well, oh, that's that's a valid theory. They kind of they set it up <laughs> that way too. Um, I this feels like cheating because I got to hear everyone else's and kind of take the best from what right. all you guys said. <laughs> just but, like the thing would, right? Right. Like intelligence. <laughs> no, just kidding. Um, so yeah, I. I guess my answer is a combination of um, everything. I don't, I don't think we're supposed to know, and that's the fun. But at the same time, gun to my head, if I have to pick, I'm most comfortable with the fact that they're both human. And uh, Chris, like you were saying earlier, um, I, I can't remember how you framed it, but just the way the story evolves as the situations do and the characters have to react to it, like self-preservation was one of the themes and once that no longer became an option as things just spun further and further out of control like they're aware that this is going to be the last interaction with each other so i don't know i just kind of like the if you have to die why not share a drink with your friends after torching an alien and saving humanity so plus for the rescue team that is inevitably coming if they don't find the thing, but they'll find two frozen bodies and 
wonder just what the fuck happened here and not, you know, be able to necessarily figure it out unless they start digging. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I like both of them are human, even though I'm fully willing to acknowledge that one or both of them could very well be an alien. All right. And I I think, too, like, it plays to their character. Like, if if that theory is is true, right, like, it plays to their characters as well. I, I think of, like, MacReady. I think of, like, the the scene where they're all fighting over like who is going to kind of be the next leader and they um, kind of McCready takes it on child wants it like, but I feel like there's always this like kind of um, shared respect for one another, but also you talked a little bit about like constantly a little bit of turmoil there with one another. And so I honestly think if they are human and they are coming to the conclusion, like, all right, we're going to die. Like I do think like, it seems as though in that moment, like they are very like, I don't know, like it's a dignified death for them. And like, they would do it with like some like respect and just say, you know, screw this, let's have a drink. And I don't know. So I think, I think it would play to the, like their strength and their characters as well. If that were the case, it seemed to me that they became like brothers in arms kind of at the end, you mm-hmm. know? Just, yeah, I would yeah, say finally. so. Mm-hmm. True. All right. Final thoughts. Um, I'm going to do some final thoughts and, Chris, we'll start with you. Sure. Um, so as I shared, I really wasn't sure what to expect with this movie, just knowing that it was a little bit older of a movie. Again, it's a horror movie, which I, I they're hit or miss with me, really. Um, I really liked it. I thought it was a really cool movie. I thought it was really well done. Again, I like the idea that it was a horror movie that didn't fully feel like a horror movie. I really appreciated the idea that it, it felt much more psychological and much more had much more of a thriller feel for me of trying to constantly guess like who is the thing and who's being infected and what's going on. And I think we talked about that being is really purposeful and I think it was, and I think that to me is what really made this movie um, and really kept me engaged the entire time and interested and wanting to find out (laughs) what's going on. Like, how is this going to end? Like I have no clue. So Overall, I think it was really well done. I enjoyed it a lot. I would encourage people, if you haven't seen it, take the time. Um, it it was really, really cool and a really fun movie to watch. Yeah, my final thoughts. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. I like the like the filming. I like the acting. I I thought it. I thought it had really good pacing. I should have mentioned this earlier, but it's uh, the movie to me seemed to have. A pacing where they, you know, the alien uh, appears and, you know, they react to it. It seems like they're always behind the eight ball whenever this happens. And it's the, and it's, uh, they never ever are quite fast enough to like overcome what is happening. And it's just, they try, but there's just never a moment where they're actually, they have a handle on what's going on. They never do. They just, they never had any definitions of what was going on. It was, uh, it was just, they just gave it a good fight. I mean, they, as best they could, and it just ended up not being enough to overcome what was happening, you know, and even though who knows about the intelligence of the thing, you know, we're not really sure. I mean, it, it obviously intelligent enough to build a spacecraft and then land on our planet, but happened to be buried for a hundred thousand years. Wasn't <laughs> so, smart enough to land on it <laughs> <Right. laughs> correctly. Yeah. 
so was this you know technology that had stolen from another planet who knows i mean we could go on and on about this and you know that's what i find fascinating about this story is that there's so many questions coming into it and then so many questions leaving it too and we see this little slice of what is it like two weeks? Not even. It's just mm-hmm. a few yeah, days. Just a few days. Yeah. Yeah. In their lives, and it just completely upended. What? Just to really uh, talk about some uh, quick uh, nitpicks I have is this when they talk about like the the spaceship and like you know find like the the thing like outside of it, but when they find like the hole where like the sarcophagus looking like object was where this thing was in like it's kind of it's on the surface but the spaceship is like is below and is like supposedly it's there for a hundred years and all this ice had built up on top of it but when they find the thing it's like on like the surface of like the usually that stuff doesn't bother you but that was just like oh man that kind of i didn't connect that that was the sarcophagus like that that well, was not, but it was like, that was like they kind of it's sarcophagus-esque yeah yeah, thing, but, yeah. The, but like i'd never like picked up on that sort of like where they found the thing like that's where it came from. I I just anticipated that it came from the ship because when you know, they have the shot of them yeah. rappelling down the top of the like the little UFO or spaceship looking thing was open. I was like, oh yeah, they opened it. It came out and then all hell broke loose. I didn't realize that it was supposed to be from oh. that. And I guess the story was like it it opened, and it I got think, out, and like that's where it was like frozen. That's probably where it that's dropped. Like, yeah. yeah. And I, I understand I would have never had that that view of that object without, like, you know, listening to the commentary sure. and then yeah. talking about it. And John Carpenter saying that that was a throwback to the old thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because in the old version, they actually, it's the ship, and then they find the, oops, they find the thing outside of it, and then don't they cut it out? Cut, or, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah. But anyway, no big deal. Um. Yeah, I I remember seeing this as like a kid and and I was talking to you, Lee, when you dropped the um, the older version of the thing off um to watch, is that I was telling you that I didn't remember a lot of the gore from from this movie and I was like, Oh, it's probably you're saying that's probably because I watched it on like network TV. A lot of that gore was probably <laughs> cut out of that out. <laughs> that that version of the film. I was like, Oh, it's like so this was kind of like a whole new kind of like a new viewing for me. Um as well, but uh, I really love this movie. This I'm not really big into the horror genre, um, like you were saying too, Chris. But um, this movie plays into my f- favorite storytelling, like the paranoia and fear. Kind of like if you ever seen the monsters are due on Maple Street. Um, oh, it's a great episode. Twilight Zone. If you haven't seen it, that's a must see. And like Invasion of the Body Snatchers too, with the Sutherland version is um, the one I saw. And or the Burbs. The Burbs. Oh, the yeah, burbs. The, burbs. <laughs> the Burbs. Great. It's not like... Uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I don't remember that movie. Yeah. I remember seeing it, but I don't remember much of it. I just saw it was on like... Bruce Dern. Netflix or oh, something like great. that. Oh, it's great. All right, man, I, I got to go back and watch that. I haven't seen that in years. <laughs> well, it, it's kind of cool. The X-Files did a, uh, an episode called Ice, and it's basically the same story. Same thing. Yeah. They just rehashed the thing. Awesome. <laughs> Except they just made it a little... Uh, like hookworms or something. <laughs> um, so yeah, but yeah, I digress. Um, yeah, great film. Yeah, you know, watch it, watch it. Um, great cast. Um, again, I was like, I kind of forgot like how Kurt Russell, like in the early '80s, was kind of like this action 
hero-esque star and kind of trans transforms with like this more like he started playing like these dramas later in his career but i think this is my kurt russell i think i said kurt douglas but this is my favorite kurt russell in movies is this early 80s kind of action hero-esque kind of character because yeah, yeah. he went on to do uh, you know, like romantic comedies, yeah, with like yeah. right, right, and stuff. Yeah, wasn't it like the *Romancing the Stone*? Was that that was Kirk? That was uh, Douglas. Douglas. That was it. Yeah. Okay, yeah. My brain, how it works. I get them all mixed up, but <laughs> <laughs> the Kurtz and the Douglases and the Russells. But yeah, Jamie, final nice. thoughts? Yeah, um, we've covered a lot of it, but I just wanted to kind of piggyback off what Lee was saying um, about. The um, just the intelligence of the humans and always being a step behind. And what I thought when you were saying that, Lee, is I was trying to think of like the first caveman to hunt a saber toothed tiger. Like it probably took like twenty five to thirty dead cavemen before they figured it out. You know, (laughs) so it's like I like that. Probably like the thirtieth time that a group of the Arctic explorers gets there, they'll be able to take this thing out. But um. Yeah, but that brings the whole human element into it. You're um, slightly, if not equally, as smart. It might not even be intelligence. It's just um, lack of awareness for what this thing can do, which kind of cripples your ability to fight it, which then you have to master your own faculties, which is, I think, what the film does really well. You know, like the doubt of your friends, trust within your friends, trust within yourself, and... Those are the big questions I think that keeps me coming back to it, um, as well as the effects. I don't think I said enough about that. I just I love the effects. Yeah, I really didn't touch on that too much. But. Yeah, all of the the makeup effects and the gore and the <laughs> fluids, all of that stuff. It's it's just incredible. And I don't, again, I I don't really go for the gore horror films, but when they're done really well, like they are here, I I can applaud and approve. So yeah, I I love this movie. Buy it, rent it, stream it, however you can see it. Yeah, just to touch on the effects quick, like, <clears throat> again, I just want to stress just how I think the more reliant, like, we, not we, but just um, producers of film have become, like, reliant on CGI technology is, like, been kind of detrimental to film. Like, for me, it always takes me out of the experience. Like, it's that, what, like, uncanny valley portion of it or, like, that suspension of disbelief is like gone or missing or just like just adding CGI or just CGI to everything that doesn't really need it. You know, like one example I have is like, I think there's a scene in like Black Panther where like a spaceship is landing on like a platform or like a not a spaceship, but the ship, the ship is landing on a platform. And it's like, you, you didn't need that, but you had to throw CGI in there and just like, it looks so fake and plastic. Like it just totally takes you out of like any kind of believability I have of like the scene and where it's taking place. But that's my rant. I digress. Yeah, <laughs> I, I really would. I would love to put like a, you know, a younger audience who's more familiar, who's like grown up with the CG movies, like yeah. playing a 16 or an 18 year old in front of this movie and just kind of see what they think. Right. I don't right. know. I, well, I, before, I, I like, would love to know. Chris, like this is your first time watching it. Like the effects, like were they like distracting to you or like? Well, when we were, we were talking about this a little bit earlier too, um, I think before the podcast when we were just kind of chatting in <clears throat> I know for me, some of, some of these, like, old movies, you can just tell, like, they just look really bad. Like, the effects mm-hmm. look really bad. And I know this will not be a popular opinion, 
Um, but I feel like the first time I saw it, like the very first, so what is it like number four, like the Star Wars movie? Like, I just think it looks terrible. Like, I do not like how it looks. And that is never how I felt when I watched this. Like, it felt believable far more than the, the Star Wars did mm-hmm. for that. For that. So for me, the it played a lot. Um, I think the the CGI and the special, or I'm sorry, the um, the special effects, and I mean, even like I think about like when when the blood uh, jumped out of the petri dish, and then you could see it kind of like trying to move. Like, yeah, I think all of that, like knowing that CGI was not capable, like they did a very very nice job with it. Yeah, and I don't know if it's a cheat, but I think to its advantage. This film is helped by the fact that, you know, like, it's an alien. We we don't, like, it's not grounded in anything that we've seen before. So I think right. that it does get a boost from that, mm-hmm. too. You know, this movie reminds me of, uh, the, the the way that the effects look, it reminds me of this old 80s movie called Clash of the Titans. And they had... Love that movie. They that had, movie. like, freaking, you know, like, Medusa's head with the snakes, and, you know, they're just... It, it was it was almost like an identical... Like, the same people have worked on both movies. And, you know, it's not, like, soup, You know, it's not, like, com- completely realistic, but it doesn't take me out of the story, and it doesn't actually... Uh, you know, I don't have anything that I can say, well, that's, like, just it looks fake, you know, with the CGI. And that was... Uh, that definitely, I do that now. It's like, you know, you could just tell, like, a lot of the CGI wasn't as good as a lot of these old optical shots. I feel way more expensive to do it the old way, though. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's why they're doing it with the CGI. Yeah. You know, obviously with CGI, it's gotten, you know, a lot more uh, prevalent. Uh, Chris, with the Star Wars, now, did you see the, uh, the special edition, or are you talking about the old... The, the actual, like, mm-hmm. theatrical release. Part. Yeah, I think it was the theatrical release. Okay, so yeah. from the, the early 77. Yeah, then, yep. okay. exactly. Right. And so for me, like, yeah, I remember I, I watched it with, with my wife, and, yeah. um, like, I remember watching it and just being like, wow, like, you can, like, it, it looked old. Like, I feel like it did mm-hmm. not age um, especially well. And, again, I mean, so we're, this movie came out in 82. You said the first one came out in 77. So yeah. we got, the what, five yeah, years? Five years, yeah. I, I think with, like, the optical effects in, uh, like, Star Wars, they got better in Empire. Mm-hmm. And then they got, you know, pretty good in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah, like, the yeah. little yeah. thing between the yep, Star was, Wars and Empire. That's true. There was a leap there. And I I want to say that George Lucas uh, basically had to start up a, an effects company when he did Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, so, wow. yeah, they were just yeah. kind of, it was, like, groundbreaking what he mm-hmm. did. And I, I think... I think the guys actually won Academy Awards for the effects too. Yeah, and that doesn't you know, surprise right. me. And I think at yep. the time, like, oh well, yeah, totally. And then in the in the '90s, he goes and makes the special editions and destroys their work. Brings and, Jabba into a New Hope. I was, was so pissed. And, Sorry, Lee. Well, yeah, I, oh, I hear you. We could talk about that all day, but yeah, and the effects don't hold up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. You know, Blade Runner coming out the same year, 82. Yeah. That looks awesome. Still yeah. does. Yes. Yeah. Still holds up. Yeah. Even the cars flying around, you know, not CGI. I mean, it, it does. It looks it looks pretty freaking good. Yeah. And in this movie here, uh, the CGI, there obviously none. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, all optical effects, uh, just stop motion animation. 
And that last character is absolutely crazy. To have yeah. to have been able to do there, that. Well, talking about stop motion time. and like and like you were talking about Clash yeah. of the Titans. Yeah. So Clash of the Titans, I think a majority of those monsters in that movie, that's all stop motion. Yeah. But I don't think there's the only stop motion I think in this movie is the towards the end when like the tentacle comes up and grabs like the yeah. the um, detonator oh, yeah. for the dynamite. Okay. But like that and I yeah, I think that part is stop motion, but everything else is all well, when he comes up out of the out of the ground or the the slat wood oh, slats no, and he's the uh, tremors the tremors moment <laughs> yeah after the tremors moment then he yeah he's got the tentacles grabs the uh, the detonator and then doesn't he blast his way up through right yeah then so that part does, yeah yeah that part I thought was stop motion but yeah maybe it was like the well because like, that but that I, character was yeah the whole. The dog and uh, yeah, it's like all of the it's all of it all that kind of comes out at or most of it comes out at the end. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Thank you if you made it this far again, listening to the four of us. Just let you know we're amateur podcasters. We're new to this, and we're like three episodes deep into this. So, if you like or don't like or have corrections to any of the commentary that you've heard on this movie. Um, go ahead and find us on Twitter at Movie Machine Pod. Uh, send us a message. Let us know um, how you feel or any corrections or mistakes that we made throughout this podcast because we know we're not perfect. So that's at Movie Machine Pod. How it sounds is how it's spelled. So thank you for listening to episode three of Movie Time Machine. Look into John Carpenter's The Thing. Thank you and good night. Oh,